listening to Law and Gospel on this Open Mic Friday, and it's the first day of February, the first 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and you can call me with any question you might have of a theological nature. Numbers are in St. Louis. Just dial 821-0850. Anywhere in North America, one 800 7302727 Well, we had a wonderful surprise this morning as we came into the studio and Andy Bates is back. He was uh ill for a little bit. Uh Sarah's still recuperating, so hopefully on Monday we'll have both of them back for the coffee hour. In the meantime, you can call me if you have any theological question of anything of importance of a biblical nature. During the week, we talked on uh, Wednesday about troubles in the country and additional persecution that may be beginning for Christians to a higher level and degree. People wonder about that. They say, why would God allow that to happen? But we need to remember his beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. A lot of people have a big question about suffering in the world. And we need to recognize that God never permits any suffering to come to us beyond our ability to endure it when we turn to Jesus Christ for help. Nor do not all things work out to our good, because they do. But we live that by faith, not by sight. What do I mean by that? It's the big distinction we've talked about many a time here. Martin Luther's distinction between the theologians of glory and the theologians of the cross. The theologians of glory try to figure out how God looks at them by their experience. So if they're having a wonderful day, well, God likes them. And if they're not having a wonderful day, uh uh-oh, maybe God does not like me very much. In contrast to the theologian of the cross who looks to God's holy word to discover there exactly what is happening. And that's really an important distinction, and we find that with troubles in this country, that God allows that to happen so that we're more motivated to look to him for help. As I indicated, don't hesitate to call 8210850 or 1-800-730-2727. And we're going to begin this morning with talking to Steve. Hi, Steve. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, so, you know, I always have believed that Jesus did everything on the cross. And we talk about it every week, or you talk about it every week, that uh, there's nothing we can do. Yeah, I was just reading in Matthew, it says, we must forgive to be forgiven. And then that confuses me. Yes. That is the hardest verse in the whole Bible. And I'm just going to give you a short answer to that. You get two gifts from God. 
you're aware of the forgiveness of sins, right? Yes. That's for sins that you have committed. But what about those good works you're unable to do? For example, forgiving someone. Does God take care of that in any way? Are you aware of? Uh, well, he forgives them from him, but he doesn't forgive them from me, I guess. Yes. The reason that's the hardest verse in the Bible is God does not permit forgiveness to those who are unable to forgive. But there's another gift that we receive, and that reception occurs in baptism. The Apostle Peter says in Acts chapter 2, you will receive the gift of the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit bring you? Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit because you are now dressed in Christ's righteousness. Remember the Bible talks about the robe of righteousness? Yes. Well, guess what? In a sense, when I said you don't have to do anything to be saved, I meant that. Because when you do sin, there's nothing you can do to balance out the sin. But when you are unable to do a good work, Christ has done it for you in your place. And therefore, for the Christian believer who's wearing the robe of righteousness, God regards you as having forgiven that person in Christ. And that's the importance of the robe of righteousness. That's what you're wearing. We um, wear different things as pastors. I have a cassock, but it's covered by a surplus, a white surplus. And that represents the robe of righteousness. So what God is doing for us is not only taking care of sins we have committed, but he also takes care of good works that we're unable to do because there is no work we can do to offset his anger. So instead, he has his son die on the cross and take upon himself our sins. Remember the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus was the biggest sinner in the world at that point, having had all the sins of everybody on his shoulders. And therefore, when we receive that robe of righteousness, God regards us as having obeyed the law perfectly, even when we're unable to do so. Is that helpful? complicated but um the robe of righteousness we're forgiven even though we can't do it ourselves but does that apply to the forgiveness part yes in fact it has to apply to that because there's no forgiveness with the robe of righteousness instead you're regarded as being righteous remember abraham he believed the promise of god And God declared him righteous at that point. And so in Christianity, a person is not righteous either by not sinning or by doing all the good works, but through faith in the promises of the gospel, God gives you two gifts, the forgiveness of sins 
for sins that you have done wrong and the robe of righteousness for good works that you're unable to do because your old Adam is so strong or okay. your, weak is, your faith is weak. Okay, so you see it as a another thing that God knows we can't do ourselves but wants us to. Yes. If we can't do it ourselves, he's giving us the gift of that as well. So he says to do it knowing we can't do it ourselves, but we're forgiven for not being able to fully 100% do it ourselves. Yes, I'll tell you how this works. I actually had a situation where a person was unable to forgive someone, and they were really worried about this verse. After I explained it, that they don't have to forgive in order to be saved, because Christ has forgiven in their place, about a week later, I met with this person again, and the first words that were said were, Pastor, I've begun to forgive. Once the burden is taken away, then you'll be surprised how the Holy Spirit may work within you. Yeah, yeah. And I know the closer we get to God, the easier it is to forgive, but it still can be difficult. Oh, it's impossible. No, no. Uh, Law and gospel means this. The law are God's demands that he wants you to be perfect with. The gospel... Oh, and you're unable to be perfect in any of the commands. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, the gospel comes and heals and gives the treatment of salvation to those who are unable to stop from sinning, which includes me, and those who are unable to keep doing good works perfectly, which includes me also. Thank you. Uh, I can go with that. God bless. Thank you so very much. Goodbye. All right. And we're just going to continue down the line. I believe this is Sandy. Are you on the air? Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, Pastor. Uh, Just a couple comments about uh, what we have seen in the news concerning the state of our nation when it comes to some of the policy decisions of a governor of New York. Right. And statements of uh, the governor of Virginia and a legislator by the name of Tran. I'm not going to requote them. I'd say probably 99% of your listeners knows exactly what was said and done. Um, some of these comments regarding this procedure of late berm, late uh, term abortion, they're called. Uh, it's called grisly, horrific, barbaric, inhumane, murderous. There's another word that I heard a priest define on TV, and it's ghoulish. And he says this is derived from the word gulag, and it means love of death. And we understand the gulag from the Soviet Union and the torture and death chambers that many, many people, some Christians, some not, in, uh, in that, uh, during that time, not, not so long ago, in a recent past, And it just seems to me that people who are promoting this procedure, they have actually had their conscience seared, and they've adopted a death cult mentality, Pastor. And God have mercy on us all. Yes, let me respond to that. Uh, Just on the news I heard in February, the Jewish memorial is going to be celebrating the day that uh, many of the Jews were... Uh, released from the gulags that they were in. Uh 
And uh, they say, you know, that was a Holocaust. Well, I, I just can't understand, especially Jews who say never again, mm-hmm. when many of the uh, millions of babies that are put to death are Jewish. This is a Holocaust. It's a Holocaust, Pastor. Yes, it is. And then one more comment. I'd like to finish off with uh, a comment from uh, one of the philosophers in our society, Horton, who happens to be the character in a Dr. Zeus book and the wisdom therein, when Horton says, a person is a person no matter how small. That's all. Thank you. Thank you very much for calling. Yes, um, I believe that might be the Horton that you hear on Saturdays at the White Horse Inn because that's how he does think. A person is a person no matter how small. It's really amazing how the devil can corrupt people. For example, you can be arrested for destroying eagles' eggs or killing an eagle. Isn't that amazing? And nobody said, well, it's only a, you know, an egg. Uh, you know, what are you worried about there? I just heard on the news again, you know, a lot of these people are against having a wall uh, to keep out illegal immigrants, many of them who are dangerous and have committed crimes when they get here. And what happened, uh, a woman put on a sombrero and climbed over a wall of, um, I think it was either the House Majority uh, Speaker, Pelosi, or uh, another person who had a wall around their house. And when she climbed over the wall, she not only was arrested, but she was handcuffed and taken away. And it just was really interesting to hear that that the very people who are denying walls to protect people on the southern border have no problem arresting people who climb over their wall. And this lady who did this was not even an illegal immigrant. She was a citizen of the United States. And all she did was climb over the wall around the house of this person and was arrested, handcuffed, and taken away. It kind of shows the hypocrisy. It shows how strong the devil is in getting people to take positions that are his positions. One only needs to look at the scripture. John the baptizer got the Holy Spirit while he was still in the womb. And if you look at the book of Jeremiah, God says at the beginning, I knew you. And I consecrated you. In other words, he already had decided while he was still in the womb what direction he would be going. Can, can you imagine that when Joseph found out about Mary being pregnant, that they decided to do an abortion? Because, of course, that wasn't Jesus. That was just a part of Mary's body. Of course, that is ridiculous. And, and so... We're in a time right now, but another recording, in in fact, I I believe it was here on KFUO, um, uh, Kip, was it, 
who was interviewing a person who had a number of areas where the pro-life movement has become very successful. And I, I see that quite a bit. Time magazine had a chart of the various states of the United States, and underneath each state, laws that were being passed that were of a pro-life variety. For example, in a number of states now, uh, high school or college has to inform the parents if the child who is pregnant is going to have an abortion. Before, they didn't have to do that. In other states, they need to see a sonogram of the child within them. And when that occurs, we understand 90% of the women who are going to have an abortion decide not to have an abortion because it's so obvious it's a live human being and child within them. Science is on our side in this area because even scientists are discovering that these babies in the womb end up feeling pain at a very young age. So, yes, there's going to be states, there's going to be governors, there's going to be senators, there's going to be judges who appreciate the uh, right to kill babies in the womb. But I don't see this as any different than the Holocaust. It's something a lot of pastors got to really think about. I would not commune a member of the congregation who was pro-abortion. Now, before I did not commune him or her, I would sit down and talk with them and make sure that I understood properly why they were against the pro-life movement. Uh, For example, an abortion also occurs spontaneously. That's also called an abortion. And also, if there was the difference between the life of the mother and the life of the child, the church does permit the choice to be the child. That That's hardly ever happening anymore due to the medical advances that we have. So if that's what a person is talking about, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. But if they're saying, you know, if I have a child, and, and what, what some states are doing If the child is born with some serious defects where it's going to take a lot of time and money to bring up the child, some illness or something wrong with the body, then you are permitted to put it to death. This is not going to last very long. And the reason it's not going to last very long is God will not tolerate it. If you look back in history... These murderous acts by nations, etc., finally do come to an end. The pendulum swings both ways. And frankly, we can be very happy that a number of nations, like in Africa and South America, are making laws against abortion on demand because they're recognizing. This is a human being. If we're going to protect eagles, how can we not protect human beings? And so if you're leaning in a pro-abortion area, you need to go speak with your pastor. 
because God's word is very clear. There are many passages which indicate that God considers the fetus to be a human being with rights and privileges. The United States at one time said blacks were not human beings with rights and privileges. Indians were not human beings with rights and privileges. Now they're talking about babies in the womb. But it also expands there. And that's what's kind of interesting with the pro-life movement, that it's not only talking about those at birth or prior to birth, but those of old age. Look how many states now are allowing for doctor-involved euthanasia, which means you actually murder the patient by giving them something that puts them to death. So we're in a society right now, and it seems like nothing can change it. That's not correct. Things can be changed. And we've already had some hope with the Supreme Court and the folks that are on there right now. And who knows about what the future will hold. The fact of the matter is, is that there are two kinds of politicians in the world today and particularly in the united states the one kind still follows the traditional understandings of what murder is that's why we attack the nazis for the murder of jews but the other side has no problem with the murder of jews in the womb if it's going to get in the way of the parents having what they consider to have a happy life This is why it is important that pastors continue to speak in a pro-life manner. I was very proud of Pastor Mark Smith. You know, he's with us on Tuesdays. His congregation had a number of crosses that they planted in the front of the congregation as a reminder of how many children had died. Uh, I'll never forget when um, Mrs. Clinton asked a Roman Catholic sister, and you know who I'm talking about, why haven't we yet had a woman president? And the Roman Catholic said, perhaps you aborted her. That was also in, I think, either Newsweek or Time magazine when that was said some years ago. So we're in an interesting situation where you really need to know the church that you're attending, what their views are on morality, not just abortion, but homosexuality, uh, taking a marijuana, you know, for um, educational and entertainment purposes, etc. And you got to realize that your children are going to be being taught by that pastor or those individuals. We've already seen how the teaching of evolution is okayed by a lot of congregations. I saw Sunday school material that showed how a human being came up into existence, starting with an amoeba, then it went to a fish, then to a lizard, then somebody crawling on something crawling on the land, and then to monkeys and to human beings. That was in the Sunday school literature. 
And the problem with evolution, there's no morality to it. It's survival of the fittest. And, of course, a woman who has a baby within her is more fit than the baby. And, therefore, she decides her survival, which means just a more fun life, is more important than bringing that child into the world. So I appreciate the call from Sandy. We continue to pray, particularly for those who've had abortions, that they repent of it and receive the forgiveness of sins. But most importantly, we continue to be a pro-life denomination, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Open Mic Friday. Monday, we're going to be looking at uh, lessons, including the one where many fish are caught by the disciples when Jesus instructs them. I'm not sure I'm going to use that passage for Monday, but be with us for Monday's Law and Gospel. God bless. At 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.